Richards trying to scoot in there alone. It pinballs to the crease. Score! Now a special presentation for you. Oh my God! Here we go. Here we go. Welcome to the Pod Street Bulls Podcast. With your hosts, Derek. How you gonna get it, brother? John. And producer, Matt. Unnecessary, but totally necessary. What's not to love? What's happening, everybody? Welcome back for another week of your favorite podcast. It's the Pod Street Bullies. My name is Derek. And I am John. What's going on, everybody? And we're joined, as always, by our buddy... Hoagie, what's going on, man? Yo, what's going on, guys? Pleasure to come back on. Absolutely, I man. I know, we the were a little sad. Ours. <laughs> Pleasures is John. Speak for yourself. Um, I didn't uh, I did miss John, that's for sure. <laughs> you're not the only one here. I'm I back, can promise man. you that. I'm back. <laughs> so, <laughs> fun week here, folks. We've had a, a wonderful week in Flyerland with some great news breaking. Um that we're going to delve into here for a second, but I figured I'd give this chance right now to John because typically there's some type of story he likes to tell um, to get <laughs> us started here for the uh, for the episode. So, John, floor is yours, man. What do you What do you want to delve into this week? <laughs> well, you know, actually, I had a bit of a a girl dad moment. I hate that statement. I mean that that title, but I am a father of two girls. So we were at the beach, and you know, when you're at the beach women dress in bathing suits just like men do but women's bathing suits most for the most part are a little more scantily clad than than men's and i mean i guess i'm just speaking for myself because i can't speak for anybody else even though i'm speaking for a lot of people who probably listen to this podcast you can't help but look right you can't help but look and I realize that I'm trying to catch myself not looking because I'm like, what if that's going to be your daughter? And some 30-year-old is looking at, you know, your 18-year-old daughter in the beach. So I'm like scolding myself mentally, just like, no, stop doing that. No! I have to start, like, I don't know, carrying a shiv, and every time I just like to like stab myself in my pants. Ah! Jeez. Sounds pretty pretty severe. I know deep moment but i was like i can't keep doing this i don't know because i feel like karma is gonna come back and bite me and i mean and derek met reagan that kid i'm really nervous about what she's gonna be like when she's 18 karma so, do you mean carrie as much... <laughs> yeah uh, but uh yeah so i'm trying to monitor my my eyes at the beach it's a thing that i'm doing wandering eyes will get you man <laughs> I know. Oh yeah. Terry doesn't. Terry doesn't really care, but I'm just like. <sighs> see, the key to that is having sunglasses that you can't see where your eyes are looking. I've learned this a long time ago. Yeah, but that doesn't help in my in my quest for good karma, so that men are right. looking at my daughters. <laughs> that is true. Just, like that doesn't help me. That's very true. Okay, that that's fair, and that that's absolutely. I can just fair. like feed them a lot of ho-hos too and just hope that you know we don't have to worry about it <laughs> that hey Jeez, dude. preventative measures <laughs> that's just early onset diabetes you don't want that <laughs> well i know but maybe you know it prevents 
other things from down in the future. Anyway, <laughs> should we talk about hockey? I think so, but first I think in order to create a fun segue, I need to ask you this one question. Um, while you were at the beach, you know, trying not to look at all the other women, were there any wakeboarders out there? <laughs> I, I see where you're getting with this. No wakeboarders because they're all moving to Seattle. Ah, and there it is. Folks, believe it or not, Dave Haxtell has found himself behind the bench as a head coach for another NHL franchise. One more franchise for the guy to ruin. I'm all for it. I think it's wonderful. Uh, Seattle Kraken have named Dave Haxtell the head coach of their team. And I, <laughs> I'm i not joking you. I thought it was a total joke because a co-worker of mine <laughs> screams it across the shop that I'm working at. And I go, what did you just say? And he goes, hey, Dave Haxtell is the coach of the Kraken. I'm like, shut your mouth. I'm like, there's no way. There's absolutely no way. And he's like, look. So he pulls it up. It's on ESPN. And I look at it, and sure enough, there it is. I'm like, you've got well, to be kidding me. Well, Hoagie puts it in our group text, and I completely ignored what he wrote because I'm just like, oh, I mean, an assistant coach, like, all right, whatever, no big deal. And then I got the notification, and I'm like, oh, crap. Hoagie was saying he's the new head coach in Seattle Kraken. What is happening in this world? <laughs> I just I, – <clears throat> First off, what's up with the goatee? <laughs> like, right. I just don't yeah, like. It does is not it look good. Don Haxtell, Dave Haxtell's evil twin brother. <laughs> the dude, the dude looks like I don't know. Maybe he was trying out for like the Jack Hobbit or something, and then he got he got denied, and then he went with the goatee, and he's like the, the one of the the shorter people on the Game of Thrones. I don't even know if he's that short, Dave Haxtell, but he looks like he's short in stature. So he just looked, the tiny guy with the goatee thing just isn't working for him. No, it's not. Definitely, definitely not. <laughs> what are you looking for? I just heard some creaking, and I know it's an old house, so it's probably what it is. But on the off chance that I look over my shoulder and, you know, someone's there that I didn't plan on seeing, I just want to make sure. <laughs> I don't want to die, That, quite frankly. Phantoms. Until we get through this hackstall chat, I don't want to die. Um, is it the turtle? It might be. It could be the turtle. All right. Yeah, but anyways, anyway. so getting to be kind of serious about this discussion here, uh, if we can be, what <laughs> what do you think Seattle saw in Dave Haxtell that said that guy is the next head coach of this team? John, you go first. Um, honestly, I, I really wish I had a good answer for you on this one. I really don't know. When you think about the other names that were on the table – um, you know, Rick Tockett is the one that comes to mind the most. Yep. Uh, I don't understand how they went through their list and got to Dave Haxtell. I can see if you're somebody who didn't pay attention to the Flyers under his regime, right, or under his tenure, you go, oh, well, you know, he coached in college. Like, maybe he'll be really good with the young kids um, and kind of getting them ready and preparing them for the NHL. Like I could see that storyline if you weren't paying attention in Philadelphia, but we know that he did not handle the youth in Philadelphia very well. No, um, at all. <laughs> so unless he completely grew, I mean, so much in Toronto and was able to really kind of talk himself up, 
I don't know what Ron Francis was thinking here. Pictures. That's the only thing I can think of. He's got pictures. One more person that Dave Haxtell has pictures of. Lovely. Yep. Um, <laughs> what do you make of this, Ogie? Uh, just like John, I, I don't have a good answer for for this. It uh, it was puzzling to me because it was just it was not something that was on my radar for the Kraken head coaching position. Um, and uh, after you know reading articles and stuff like that, people say he's a very light guy and he's good on the bench and stuff like that. And he's good with the young kids. He, he coached for North Dakota and they always said he was always good in those youth regimes and getting those players to produce. But I mean, th- someone's obviously wearing some, some blinders and they didn't see his tenure in Philadelphia because it just doesn't make sense to me. But I mean, it might, it might help that he's getting, you know, experienced players with this expansion draft that he's able to pick from each team. So you never know. I think at the, I think at the time when he was here, he was just getting shoved younger players and expecting him to, you know, produce with them, and he couldn't he couldn't make that happen. So, and you bring up an interesting point with this expansion draft because there's no other team in the NHL that Dave Haxtell knows quite like the Flyers. So it poses a problem the for Leafs. Us. The Leafs, yes, yeah, the Leafs. correct, correct. Okay, probably might even know the Leafs a little bit better just because it's more recent. But regardless, right? There's two teams that Dave Haxtell has inside knowledge on. So because yep. we're a Flyers podcast and not a Leafs podcast, we're going to talk about the Flyers here. Um, <clears throat> do you think that this is going to impact how Seattle approaches the expansion draft and who they might select from the Flyers? Uh, go back to you, Hoagie. Um, I think Fletcher's going to have a hell of a time trying to find somebody that he might like. If I mean, that's if Haxtell has a opinion on who they pick. Um you know, some GMs are kind of stringent on who has a say on on that table. But if Axel does have a say, I think, you know, he's going to be looking for somebody that was with the team when he was coaching. And all my arrows are pointing to Voracek. That's just who I'm pointing to because I, th- I feel like I, – but I can't remember. It's so long ago that I can't remember if him and Voracek were in good standings as a player-coach relationship but i mean i i think you bring Voracek on there you kind of give him a leadership position under Haxtell, and i think he might be able to flourish on, on a new team interestingly enough you bring up Voracek, and i was listening to snow the goalie earlier this week they mentioned about how when Haxtell took over he literally flew out to the czech republic to have dinner with Voracek. so there you go i know i know for a good bit he slid Voracek down the lineup a little but to me, that trip out to the Czech Republic says a lot about how Hextall views Voracek. And before I go any further, I'm sure John's going to expand on it. So, John, what do you think? Well, I think people like to think that Hextall is going to have more of a say than he's going to. Um, you know, similar to what Hoagie said, right? It's the GM and probably the owner, too, to some extent, with this being a new team picking the players. Right, the the coach is somebody that they've selected that they hope will help steer the ship, but he's only going to provide so much input. I don't think it's going to be like Hackstall loves this guy. We're going to get this guy. He'll have an input and they'll provide you know his opinion. But at the end of the day, this is going to be Ron Francis who's making the pick. But do you think um, Hackstall will have like a, a decent bit of pool when it comes to the teams that he's been affiliated with in the past? 
I, do, I honestly wouldn't go as far as Paul. I think that he'll be able to talk up certain players and really push hard for certain players. But I, I really don't think Ron Francis is going to pick somebody just because Hackstall wants them. Um, and I think that the thing that makes me nervous when you're thinking about Dave Hackstall and who he was when he was with the Flyers was he never liked to make a splash. Mm-hmm. So the Philadelphia Flyers need to protect Nick Aubey Kubel because I think that's who Seattle picks if Dave Hackstall is you know has has pull like you say because he's not he's not a splash guy. And I could just see him going in for that, you know, hey, he was with me in Philadelphia. I like what he had. And if it doesn't work, what's his cap hit? You know, it's no big deal. So that's the one thing that makes me nervous is that he'll really go and get one of the guys that doesn't help us in the salary cap. Cap, 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 cap. Good Lord, pal. I'm still dusting off, all right? All right. Hey, I'll, <laughs> g- I'll give you a little bit here, but I am going to disagree with you here. Um, <clears throat> I did some research here, and in Hacks last year, and Albe Cubell's real like first year that he got an actual like if you want to call it a legitimate shot in the NHL, he played nine games and averaged five and a half minutes on ice with Hackstall as the coach. So yes, right. he's evolved as a player. Yes, he's gotten he was better last season as opposed to this past season. But like. I don't know. Like he didn't like him that much when he was in Philly. What makes you think that he's going to want to take a chance on him now? I just, I think you look at Jake Voracek or JVR as like splashy moves, right? These are guys who are bringing in big tickets. And when I think of Dave Haxtell, right, I just don't think of like that guy who's going to dive in and take risks. I think of that guy in the background who doesn't make any noise, who just kind of like sits there and, and does his thing. So that's why Nick Aubey-Kubel comes to mind. I originally was thinking about Ghost, but then I forgot about how much Ghost and Haxtell really did not get along. Um, so... That's why I, I moved on. I mean, I hope he takes more checker JVR, um, but I would not be shocked if he went the safe route the way, you know. And who knows? He might not have any say, like I've mentioned. So, yeah. who knows? Yeah. What do you think, Hoagie? Is there a prediction on the table for you as to who they might select from the Flyers? I mean... This is just me being biased. I really hope they just make that splash, as John would say, and just take Voracek off our hands. <laughs> yeah. I, that that's I'm just hoping he just goes. I'm tired of tired of his play, tired tired of his attitude. I think he needs a change of scenery. Yeah. Now we all know it's no secret too that the Flyers could use some help in the realm of their cap space. So a guy like Voracek, a guy like JVR, you know, you've got two semi marketable names right there. People know James Van Riemsdyk, people know Jake Voracek. Um where I'm going with this is it, it, do you think that now with Hackstall taking over it's going to present the opportunity for Seattle to basically come in and say, we want this, and if we get that, we'll take one of these guys. Otherwise, we're taking one of your lower cap room guys. Uh, I'll go to you, John, first. So you're saying, like, you know, we want a, a first-round pick? Like, Seattle's in, we'll... Seattle is in the advantageous position right now, and they could probably right. come in and say, we're, we need something for us to take these guys. Right. Well, I mean, if I'm Seattle, that's exactly what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. 
you know, because you know the spot that Philadelphia is in. So even if even if you are going to pick JVR, right? Even if you're going to, without a shadow of a doubt, pick JVR, you still go to Philadelphia and say, "Hey, I'll take him if you give me this." They don't need to know that you're going to. That's what you were going to take anyway. See what you can get out of him. And if you're Chuck Fletcher, right? I mean. I don't even know if you want to play that game of chicken with them. I feel like you just want to think, sure, fine, take it. Right. Uh, you know? Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, Seattle does hold all the cards. Yeah. You think the same thing, Hoagie? Yeah, I'm, all, I'm all on the same line. I mean, why why play a game of, of tug and war with them when if they're going to take a guy like that with a high cap, let them do it. You know, just, just play. Just play the game. Yeah. It's definitely interesting. I mean, this whole Hackstall thing, I, I feel like some of us, myself included, kind of blow it out of proportion, thinking that he's going to have much more say about what happens with the expansion draft. But it's fair to assume that because you look at, you know, he I'm not going to say he's been around the league, but the two teams he's been involved with, he knows about. So I think it's fair at least to say, and I'll go, I'll, you know, throw it to you guys too, is it fair to assume that, you know, his opinion on those two teams might carry a bit more weight than it normally would if they'd have hired a guy like a Gallant or a Tocket, you know, with <clears throat> just case specific here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, of course. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. You know, yeah, no, I, mean, I, I mean, just like, go ahead, Hoagie. No, no, John, go. Go. John, go. All right. So, all right. Well, with Haxel, I mean, he's definitely have some, some kind of say, uh, like, but I don't think it's going to be, you know, it's my way or the highway. He's not that type of right. person, obviously. But, I mean, he obviously knows the Flyers pretty pretty damn well. He's the third most – he has the third most games coached in Flyers history. I'm not sure if you guys knew that, but I saw that one. Try to forget it. Which is, right. But still, well, he's got the tenure here. Yeah, it's crazy, but he's got the tenure. He knows the team. He knows the organization. He's on a he's on to have some type of say or pull when it comes to a Philadelphia or a Toronto when when those teams come up to select from. Right. Mm-hmm. I have I have a few theories I'd like to throw at you both <clears throat> on why they went Hackstall. Okay. And the first the first theory that I have is Seattle is like up against an impossible task. They are the expansion team after the Vegas Golden Knights, who are just, they're not a traditional expansion team. I mean, you make it to the Stanley Cup final in their first year. They've been in the playoffs every year, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, they go deep into the playoffs. That just doesn't happen. So I'm almost wondering if Seattle wanted to just take this low key because they knew that the chances of them getting to Vegas' level you know, reaching those expectations are almost impossible where if they were like, let's set the bar at this realistic, mediocre, you know, level by bringing in a guy who doesn't really come with a lot of fanfare. You know, if you if you went and got Gallant, or I know he's in New York, but or mm-hmm. Tocket, there's going to be a little bit more press that comes with that where maybe by taking a hackstall, you avoid that. I don't know. I mean, yeah, think about it though. They're they're operating under the same rules that the Vegas expansion draft operated under. So there's still the same opportunity to build a team similar to how Vegas did. I'm not saying you know 
I highly doubt lightning strikes twice with this type of thing, but you know, it's there. It, there's there, you know, the excuse will be, Oh, they're expansion. They're an expansion team. But if they, you know, skyrocket and finish in first place in their division this next, this next season, everybody's like, Oh man, we need to change the expansion rules. It's another case of, you know, teams giving up too much and this and that. And it, you know, <clears throat> I think it's, they're in a very weird spot, you know, taking a guy like hack. I think you're right. I see that side just kind of keeping expectations tempered. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I, 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 that's definitely a good point. Cause I mean, you also had Tortorella that's on the market as well as a head coach mm-hmm. and right with him, you get all types of red flags cause he's just a nutball in mm-hmm. himself when it comes to press at, when it just comes to press, not even right. coaching. So, I mean, you put Dave Hastel up on the on the press uh, on the podium, and you know you get the same answers with no emotion. I think I'm I was try, the one that ever only got I'm trying to replicate it, but <laughs> I just I I just feel like this team unfortunately already has um, an unfair amount of press because of Vegas, where it's right. like Hackstall just helps kind of keep it a little bit lower than if you're I didn't even think of Tortorella Jesus could you imagine oh god right. and you also I mean I doubt Babcock's coming back anytime soon but you have a you have a coach like that right or um who's the other guy Julian Claude, Claude Julian, Julian right we don't ever hear about right. him anymore mm-hmm. you right. know <laughs> and those names were never really tied to Seattle but I don't know I mean maybe yeah, but, it's gonna be but a was Dave Haxtell was Haxtell ever right. tied True. Like they just kind yeah. of went out on the left, left limb and just said screw it. <laughs> right. Yeah, he was a late addition to that uh, group of names. I know Tockett was the big one. We've touched on him a couple times. People had mentioned Gallant, but obviously now he's with the Rangers. But they had all this time to bring in a coach, and they waited until now to announce that it was Dave Haxtell. Like, like it yeah. just it baffles me. Um, right. But no, uh, Hoagie. Any lasting thoughts on the Dave Haxtell to Seattle deal here? Uh, definitely not. You kind of had it. You you had an easy segue, where you know, lightning doesn't strike twice. So you want to want to kind of rope it into that one. I will, and I want to get John's final thoughts here, if there are any. Well, yeah, I do have one more final thought. Of course, I do. Um, this is actually about Rick Tockett, okay? Not Dave Hackstall. I really hope Rick Tockett doesn't get the job in Buffalo, or. And he can't get the job in Arizona because that's when he was fired. So I hope he doesn't get the job in Buffalo. I'd love to see him as an assistant coach in Philly. Would be nice. I I mean, time for another yeah, episode. But, like, I don't know if there's going to be any That's another moves. narrative that I'm, I'm over. Right. Yeah. Is it yeah. too late to fire an, an assistant? Ex-fly- Who knows? But I'm tired of that narrative of bringing back ex-flyers to be coaches. Yeah, but Rick Tockett, I mean – I, I liked what he did in Arizona. It's not really because he's an ex-flyer, but that would help get him here. True. But we don't need to talk right. about that anymore. I yeah. just want to sprinkle that little bit on there. <laughs> no, but we run the risk of lightning striking twice with this. And with that being said, we get to the Stanley Cup Finals. The Tampa Bay Lightning, no surprise, are back. And to a giant surprise, we have the Montreal Canadiens representing the <laughs> supposed Western Conference this these playoffs have been all sorts of something else. Um, yeah, absolutely love the fact that Montreal made it. Like I, I don't know why. I love the underdog and I'm pulling for him here. But 
just real quick because it's the only type of hockey that's going on right now. John, who do you have? How many games? Who's taking home Lord Stanley? Lightning in five. Ooh. Lightning in five. I Montreal to the Stanley Cup's a sham. Listen, that Canadian division was a joke. They had the easiest path. Yeah, Vegas was a tough thing, but Jeremy Toronto, give me a break. That that Winnipeg series was a joke. Okay. Montreal's a sham. Camp in five. I hate that. I hate the Habs. I hate them. Oh, okay. you start talking before I punch John through the monitor here. <laughs> Montreal in six. I think John's full what? of crap right now. <laughs> what? Oh, that, You're saying the Canadian oh, division wait. was a scam? Are you kidding me? They were, the la- they were last in the division. A sham? Yeah. What? It was the weakest. Dude, they were the last in the division. division by far. It was the weakest division by far. They were last. They were last and beat every single team. Oh, oh my god! I'm with I'm Hoagie. You. I'm taking. I wanted to originally take Montreal in seven, but I'm taking them in six. You oh, because really of recent Montreal news. Gonna, you really think Montreal is going to beat Tampa Bay? I really do. If if Carey Price keeps playing the way he is, absolutely. What Hoagie said. Okay, but who's on the other side? Who cares? Who cares? Vasilevsky <laughs> better goalie. Okay. Vasilevsky's been playing well, but they. You've got they've Carter they've Hart was the better goalie play. than Varlamov in the last playoffs, arguably, and the Islanders beat the Flyers. Listen, I, I mean, they, it's I, a team game, I, pal. Listen, I was hoping for the freaking Islanders to beat Tampa, and they almost did it in seven. Nope. That last minute and a half was insane. Are you mm-hmm. kidding me, John? No way. I would have went and played in traffic blindfolded if the Islanders made the Stanley Cup. Oh, you should have done this it anyway. More enjoyable. <laughs> no, I mean, in all seriousness, though, it's all seriousness that you hope it's a good series. I just, I, I don't know. I don't buy, and I, I'm being serious here. I don't buy the the story with Montreal as much as I think some people want to. I really, I truly do feel that the Canadian division was the weakest division. Of the other divisions, I'm not saying that they, you know there weren't good teams there, but you look at Toronto, right? Yes, they were a very skilled team, but can never seem to win in the playoffs, right? Winnipeg, if you watched any of that series, really just it was wasn't bad. in it. And Vegas, who has all the skill in the world, could not score a goal. Now I know Carey Price has something to do with that, but Vegas is also for some reason had a hard time scoring in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So I just think that Montreal really is going to come into a rude awakening when it comes to playing Tampa because I just feel like their path to the Stanley Cup was easier just because of the division and conference that they were in. Not saying they didn't earn it, but I just think it was a little bit easier. It's not like Montreal made it through the eastern side of it. But I'll tell you what, Tampa had a tough road. And, I mean, that's going to weigh heavy yeah. on them. You know, they they're – that Islander series was no joke. So you got to take right. that into account. Yeah. No, I mean, I hope it's a good series, but I still hope that the Canadians lose because I, I hate the Habs. I've always hated the Habs. Yeah. You know what I hate about the Habs? Mm. The fact that Cole Caulfield plays on their team. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah, I do. Like, And it's nothing against Cam York. It really isn't. 
it's just I I like Cole Caulfield. I really like Cole. Uh, how did Subban say it? Cole Caulfield. Um, yeah. No. Caulfield man is the real deal. At least right now. Yes. Right. Ignorance can be bliss, not knowing what it's like to play in the NHL playoffs until right now. But John, we're gonna get into our next segment here and talk about some Flyers narratives. Quite frankly, that kind of piss us off. Um, so you it's a, brought it's a up half an episode of a Pod Street pop off. Exactly. This is essentially a Pod Street <laughs> pop off on narratives that just really grind our gears, and we each have one here that we're going to get into, and they're in a perfect order, and I can't wait because this might be the smoothest show we've ever done in terms of transitioning from topic to topic. But that's just the broadcasting dork in me. Um, Unless John just jumps down the rabbit holes. Yeah, that's true. We always run that risk. Um, but, But, John, take us into your topic here right now. Right, so it really is this Cole Caulfield versus Cam York thing that every single Flyers fan on Twitter wants to, you know, debate about. And, listen, you look at what Cole, Cole Caulfield's doing, and I wish that the Flyers took Cole Caulfield. I mean, guy's got, what, four goals and nine points in the postseason. You know, the Flyers skipped over him twice. You're going to want to, you're gonna want to have had this guy. I mean, it makes perfect sense. But at the same time, like, this is just not an argument you can really have right now because Cam York has not had the opportunity to play. He also plays a position that isn't going to necessarily show as much flash or um, jump jump off the scoreboard at you. Um, So I think the thing that really irritates me is it's like – Flyers Twitter is getting angry at Chuck Fletcher for taking Cam York, but we have yet to really see what he's done. But I go back and forth with it because, like, Cole Caulfield should have been the pick, right? Mm -hmm. But I can't help but read these things and get irritated because it's like, you know, what has Cam, Cam York done now to make you dislike him? You know what I mean? Like, he hasn't done anything to make anybody be like, oh, this guy's a bug. Mm-hmm. But, like, I want to, you know, I just wanted to start this topic, but Derek, I mean, I'm kicking to you. I'm curious to what you think about all this. I get it, and it's not fair to Cam York. It's absolutely not fair to Cam York. Um, but looking at just this topic itself, these two are going to be forever intertwined because of the fact that the narrative is Chuck Fletcher skipped over Cole Caulfield twice and could have had him. So now we're seeing Caulfield potentially on a faster trajectory. I, I say potentially. He seems to be at least yeah. on a – yeah, he's on a faster right. trajectory to being a starter in the NHL than Cam York is by no fault of either of them. You know, defensemen typically – Matt Casey said it a million times on the show. They typically take longer to bake. They take longer to get acclimated to the NHL style and kind of come into their own. So that's fair. And that's fine. And it's an, it's an unfair comparison to make because, one, different positions. Two, different you know timelines here. And just completely different situations for that matter as well. So, right. again, Cole, you, uh, John's the one that actually talked me off the ledge when I was just completely and irrationally pissed off about this pick because I wanted Cole Caulfield. And you were like, dude, listen, he's a fantastic defenseman. Like, he's a good get. 
It's just let the, you know, let it out, get pissed off, but understand that, you know, they get a solid pick out of this. And so I was optimistic and I tried to be nice and I tried to be, you know, positive moving forward. It wears on you though, because you see what Cole sure. Caulfield's doing now. And it's like, well, damn it. You know, not that he would have done it with the Flyers because they didn't make the playoffs and I don't think it would have made a difference during the regular season. But nonetheless, you know, you're seeing it now and you're like, damn, what could have been, you know what I mean? Right. What do you say, Hoagie? So, Derek, what you just said, what, where, where you ended there, what could have been, I mean, if the Flyers did draft him, would he even be playing right now right. with this yeah. Flyers organization? True. I mean, we have so many, we have such a log jam that he probably wouldn't be playing. But I regress. It'd be great to have a player like Caulfield on this Flyers team. A nat- a, he's a naturally born goal scorer, and and during the playoffs, he's scored some scored some pretty big goals for this Montreal team. So I mean, it'd be great to see somebody like that. But like Matt Casey has said, these defensemen they take a little bit longer to bake, and we only have a small sample size of Cam York. Like he played what nine, thirteen games or something like that this season. It wasn't much. Mm-hmm. So I mean. Right. The the comparison is is just not there. Like I, it kind of makes me mad because I mean we're not the only team that passed up on Cole Caulfield. Thirteen right. other teams also passed up on him. So like thirteen other teams right. are also kicking themselves. Well, and the thing is, too, Hoagie. I mean, what you say about Cam York with the sample size being small, Cole Caulfield's sample size is also small. Like, there's right. no saying that he's going to maintain this. Right. Right. I mean, teams are going to have a chance to kind of read the book on Caulfield and respond to him a little bit more next season. So as much as we want to say that about York, we could be up in arms about nothing. You know, by next year, maybe he isn't as productive as we would, you know, think he's going to be. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it would be great to see somebody like that on Flyers, but I mean, there's nothing to get get upset about right now. I think the bigger thing here, and Derek, and then I'm going to kick it to you, is I think Flyers fans are just sick and tired of seeing these, you know, exciting players that could possibly be in our grasp go elsewhere and seeing them kind of be the talk of the town elsewhere. It's Mm -hmm. like Cam York could be great. He's never going to have the publicity that Cole Caulfield's going to. Mm -hmm. And it's just like – we want someone like that so bad for positive reasons, not like the negative publicity because they suck. But Derek, I'm curious what you think, because to me, I think it's more of getting that exciting player in a Flyers jersey as opposed to somewhere else. Because when was the last time we had a prospect that excited us at the level of a Cole Caulfield? Like, so many people were high on Morgan Frost, and rightfully so. You know, his seasons with uh, Salt St. Marie in the OHL were fantastic. Two consecutive 100-point seasons and lived up to the hype. Everybody was like, oh, my God, he's going to be incredible. And what are we left with? You know, a guy who's played a handful of games the past two years because of an injury, and it's frustrating. And then you get guys like, oh, Tyson Forrester, you know, he, he could be great. He had a great stretch in the AHL this, this season. Like, so did Zade Wisdom. And then Elliot Desnoyers is having an incredible year with Halifax. And it's like, you know, I'm not going to go into that, obviously. But, like, you, you see what I'm saying. 
We, he's becoming your Nolan Patrick, by the way. No, Elliot Nolan Dick Patrick Ray. is a completely different topic <laughs> that we agreed that we were not going to discuss. I don't want to get fired up right now. Yeah, we're not going back down that hole. <laughs> yeah, but it's the fact that we've never, like, I don't want to say never, obviously, but we haven't had like that true top-tier prospect in the system to get really excited about because the time that we had to kind of salivate over Morgan Frost was cut short because then he came to the AHL and kind of underwhelmed at first showed glimpses right. and everybody's like, okay, cool. You know, he might be good, but, but it, it, it tempered the expectations were tempered a bit. And now it's like, we're kind of left here for lack of a better term, we're sitting here with our dicks in our hands. Like, you know, what are we supposed to be excited about? Cole Caulfield would have been Speak that guy. Yourself. My hands are here. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> I can't think of anything well, smart to say back. Weird, Derek. No, but, <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Like, we don't have a Cole Caulfield to get excited about. And it's like, what are we going to do? Get excited about Wade Allison? Sure, I'm excited. I- I'm hoping he plays well. I'm really excited about Joel Farabee. On the level that I'd be excited for Cole Caulfield? Uh, I don't know. Hoagie. You got to let Hoagie talk. Go, Hoagie, go. <laughs> so, right before you said that, I wanted to interject and say, I'm actually excited for Wade Allison. He's showing what he showed in his small sample size with the Flyers. He showed a lot of promise. Mm-hmm. And for you to just say that, I was like, ah, oh, man, he, he took <laughs> took my point. But I'm sorry. I think I think he showed a lot of promise. Of you know, he's ready, but he's got a little bit more to condition himself on to be there. I think if he shows a hell of a hell of a training camp this off season. I think he he might have a third or fourth line spot and and show this fire team that he is ready. Right. You know, and like Cole Caulfield's the name, but there are other prospects who are in similar boats as him throughout the league. He's not the only one that's, you know, making an impression. But anyway, Derek, I want to thank you for being patient and maybe we can now move to your topic. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I feel like I've been pretty patient here, but you know, overall, the word patience itself, I'm not. I'm not a patient guy. Um, you know, think about how many years we had to endure Ron Hextall telling us, guys, be patient. Be patient with these prospects. Be patient with these prospects. We all took it as gospel. You know, we all took it as, okay, we get it. You know, there's going to be a, a little bit of a rebuild or retool, whatever you want to call it. Time's up, pal. Time is up. I'm done being patient. Like, whether it came with Chuck Fletcher being hired, which it, it shouldn't have, but I'm sick and tired of hearing about it. I'm sick and tired of people telling everybody, oh, the, all these prospects are going to pan out. We're going to have a lot of solid options, yada, yada, yada. We're going to have solid bottom six options. We're going to have solid middle to bottom pairing options. Maybe solid AHL goalies. What, what do we have that's going to benefit the top of the lineup? What do we have in the pipeline right now that someone's going to look at and say, man, that guy's a certified stud? I don't know if we have that in anybody. And the whole, you know, patience preaching hasn't worked because here we are, me, everybody else that has just sat idly by and tried to wait for these prospects to pan out. It's past the point of frustration, and we just want results, and we're not getting those results after we've been told that they would come with a little bit of patience. So now, I feel like 
people like me with the same fr- frame of mind have are rightfully agitated by all of this. Like, and I understand, you know, prospects are prospects. They take time. But when you have a team last season that made it into the second round of the playoffs, came into this season with a whole heap of expectations, those prospects then turn into trade chips. If you can't find a spot for them in the lineup, even if they're on the cusp or might not be, whatever it may be, use them to bolster this team because the team needs it now more than they need it five years down the road. Right. Um, shall I respond? I, I interject, please. He's, so I he's all the, fired up. I know. <laughs> I think the thing is, is we had a general manager in Ron Hextall who was very confident in himself, right? And he presented this idea of we just need to wait, right? That needs to be the course of action. We just need to wait. Guess what? Ron Hextall was fired because it wasn't working. So for those of you that are still like on the Hextall, you know, juice, you need to move away from it because put the cup down. Just waiting <laughs> to put the cup down for sure. You, of course, it's great to build within, right? Every sport you want to be able to build from within, but that only gets you so. And you have to remember that you are trying to keep a fan base happy who isn't just going to sit around for 10 years. At some point, you need to be able to take a leap, right? You just can't go, well, this batch didn't work. Guess we just got to wait for the next one. Like, that's just not how it works in professional sports. Yo, we'll try it again. You know, they went that route. It didn't work. Now it's time to be a little bit more aggressive. And I think, Derek, the thing that bothers me about, you know, the patience part is you have people who who talk with such confidence that, like, all of these guys are going to eventually work out, right? Just give Nolan Patrick more time. He's eventually going to work out. You, what about hockey is proof that everybody works out and is a great player? You know what I mean? Like, that's not how this works. It's not like everybody you draft is eventually going to become a great NHL player. And, Hoagie, I'm curious what you think with all this stuff. But, I, yeah, I just think, like, those people are the ones that really irritate me. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, I think we we gotten so used to the book, according to Ron Hextel, of praising right. to be patient. And, John, just like you said, it, it's – the time is over, and we're tired of hearing about it because this team we this team shows glimmers of hope, but it's not it's not there anymore. And you know the kids the kids just didn't work out. They the didn't. kids aren't all right, like the offspring right. says. <laughs> exactly, the kids aren't all right. It's not working. Let's use them to bolster this team up, regardless of how you're doing it, whether it's draft picks or you're bringing in star players or what have you make something work to get this team to that next level. I mean, I'm tired of it. Like towards the end of this season, I was like, this sucks. Like something needs to happen where something, something, this team just needs a shake up. I don't know what it is. It just, it just needs to happen. The patience is no longer there. And the mediocrity is, is sick and tiring. So throw that, you know, gospel into the trash and, you know, freaking, 
tell this t- organization what we want. Like, we want a team that produces. We want a Tampa Bay or a, Los- or a Vegas or Colorado. We want a team that's consistently producing. And time's up. <laughs> yeah, I-, I think you're right, and I think you hammer home the point where it's more so the people and the fans that are like, this guy will pan out, that guy will pan out. It's like, pal, it's the, you need it's to... It's the stands. Yeah, you need right. to wake the bleep up and understand that, like John said, not every prospect is going to pan out the way you think he's going to. Elliot Danoye won't be able to put up over a point per game in the <laughs> NHL. It's likely that right. Wade Allison isn't going to be this prolific sniper. I'm not downplaying Wade Allison by any means. He could be, but I'm not saying that with any type of certainty just yet. Tanner Lashinsky, could he be a solid 3C? Sure. Not yet. Like, the patience is wearing thin, and it's frustrating that you're going to. I mean... (laughs) I know. I (laughs) I had something, too. All right. Do you want to go first, Ogie? No, I want to hear what you have to say, John. So do I. Um, <laughs> Jesus Christ. I take I take the patience thing past just the prospects, though, Derek. I'm yep. tired of being patient with our core players, too. I'm, I'm tired of waiting for Voracek and waiting for JVR and waiting for these guys who are, are not, you know, prospects. They're NHL players. There's, there's a group of fans that are just like so brainwashed into this we're just going to keep things the same and it eventually will work out and those guys together aren't working either and hoagie talk because it seems like you were on the same boat like talk more about that i don't want to take it all yeah yeah no you're you're taking the words right out of my mouth i think i think derek had said something and both you and i just you know the light bulb clicked and we're like it's not just the prospects it's it's those core right. players, the J, the JVRs, the Voracek's. I mean, even I mean, at this point, Konechny, like those type of players that have been here for four or five years. That you know, yeah, they've shown they've shown that they can play, but then you know, every other year we're in the playoffs and we're not in the playoffs. Like we need consistency right. from from everybody, not not just right. you know prospects, not just core players everybody mm-hmm. i've never met a fan base that is so married to every player throughout the organization yeah it's crazy like once you are a part of the flyers organization <sighs> there's some part of the fan base that just puts you on such a pedestal and like god forbid you think about trading that guy mm-hmm. you're like for what reason has this person been put on this pedestal i, I don't know it's kind of what we did with robert haig to an extent, but at the same rate, we yeah, can be realistic but, about it. <laughs> but, I mean, it's that Robert Hague. It's fun, but, like, are we going to be pissed if he gets traded? No. Because hopefully, in return, we're getting an upgrade. Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're right. Absolutely. I mean, you know, as frustrating as it is to be patient, you know, with – it's the prospects. It's the stands on Twitter. I can be patient with some of these players. Like, you look at guys that might have had a down year. Like, I'll, obviously, they don't get passes, but, like, this was the second year for Kevin Hayes. I do think he can bounce back now that he'll be fully healthy, hopefully. I've got a little bit of patience there. I've also got a lot of patience. I probably have the most amount of patience for a guy like Carter Hart. 
having a bad year last year, being able to bounce back. You know, I just wrote a piece about it, and I know this is exactly what Hoagie wanted to get into. So, Hoagie, <laughs> you go ahead and do this, man. Yeah, uh, let's see if I can run away with this one. Uh, so, I mean, Carter Hart, young young goaltender, considered the goaltender of the future for the Philadelphia Flyers. I think I, I'm tired of seeing the post of, will he return to form this season? And I think that the analysts, such as us, that you know we talk about this day in day out, and the fans that are level-headed, not you know not your stands and what have you, the level-headed fans that see the problem, know that this goaltender is a good goaltender and he's going to return to form. He had he hasn't played a full 82 game season in this league. He's had a season. He he came into this. Uh, you know, dumpster fire of eight goaltending, eight goaltender season. He came in last season, cut short due to COVID. And then this past season where, you know, let's just try to forget that dumpster fire. (laughs) And it's, um, I mean, you've seen other goaltenders in this league have taken years to develop and become in, become top tier netminers. Yes. There was a lot of, you know, talk and, and hype about, you know, Carter Hart, going for the Vesna trophy this year at the beginning of the season because he showed that promise right. last, last season. But, you, you know, you're throwing in a kid playing five or six times in a week and a half. You're not going to get that from a 22-year-old that's still transitioning to the NHL level of, you know, players that are five to ten years older than him firing 60-mile-an-hour slap shots and wrist shots at him. Like – he hasn't played with a lot of these guys that, are, that have been in this league for 10 seasons or so. I mean, I swear to God, if I see one more freaking post about, you know, Carter Hart not returning to form and should we train him, I might, I might, you know, quit all social media. What the hell was that, John? Somebody just got shot or something. I'm not sure what that was. But I don't hear you screaming. Holy boy. Well, that means it was a good shot if you don't hear screaming. Right. So <laughs> that threw me off a little bit, John. You jumped like my, like a, um, you jumped, man. That scared me. But recently, I've uh, I've been reading this book. It's called The Boys of Winter, and it's uh, I don't know if you guys have read this book or not. I've but it's, read this book. Yeah, I read that a, book. It's a gr- great book. It's it's on Derek, the 1980 U.S. Olympic team. Yeah, Derek doesn't read. Yeah, I can't read. <laughs> right. So, yeah, great book on the 1980 U.S. Olympic hockey team that we all know, the, mir- the Miracle Team. Um, towards, you know, probably halfway through the book, they talk about the um, the goaltending coach. Uh, his name was Warren Strelow, and he was a teacher of high school English and social studies, and they kind of kind of just did a little snippet of, you know, everybody on the team, but did, this really, like, caught my eye a couple weeks ago when I was on a flight and it goes goaltenders are fall guys in a rectangular cage scapegoats waiting to happen screw up and a red light goes on screw up and your team loses what's the gain in beating up a goaltender after he lets up a soft goal and then it goes on to say working with goaltenders is like building a house you begin with a solid foundation with fundamentals such as balance being square to the puck knowing how to read and react to certain situations when the foundation is in place, you build up from there. But underpinning everything is 
self-confidence, and the ability to cope with good things and bad things with the same emotional stability. And once I read that on this flight, I was like, holy crap, that is the Flyers freaking fan base to a T. God forbid this kid screws up and we just freaking bury the hell out of him. Like, come on. God so I, I took that picture. I took that picture. Like, like I pu- pulled my phone out, took the picture of the page, and like I found it a couple weeks uh, last week. And then, you know, Jerry came out with this idea for the episode. I was like, "There it is. That's my topic." So I do want to give credit where thoughts? credits due. This was John's idea. So John, have yeah. your moment here. Big rock, Sorry, Kobe. my bad. My bad. <laughs> But, you know, you've no. been gone for so long, so I'm used to Derek running the show. I'm going to pull my one interjection card here like John does every episode, and I just want to say how proud I am of how prepared you were for this, Hoagie. I oh, am... This must be the first reading of a book on the Pot Street Bullies. I'm, it I don't is. think we've done that before. That's our Great inaugural. Scholar. Yeah, that was very scholarly, and I, I'm... I got, I got asterisks in there. I so am I knew proud. I am impressed. <laughs> You bring more legitimacy to this show than I ever thought John could. So thank you. Put yourself in the same boat there, jackass. I I left that boat a long time ago. Um, I do want to actually talk about the, the Carter Hart thing because I love that you're saying return to form. Like this guy's been around for a while. Like people forget that like he's brand new still, especially, you know, most goalies don't make the profession, you know, they're not a starting NHL goalie at his age. It's like he's still developing. Don't give me this return to form. He's still trying to figure out his form. I mean, there's going to be bumps in the road, and I'd much rather it be in year two with a crappy team in front of him. Like, people forget that he had no help whatsoever every time he took to the crease. But I'd rather it happen in year two than it's like five years. He's been really good, and it's like, this is the year, and then he sucks, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. Look at it this way. 31st in goals allowed and goals allowed per game. Penalty kill was 30th. There, The team defense was putrid. The, the, the actual defense was even worse. So, yeah, like, I, you know, the return to form thing, I think, is just what people say because they know what he's capable of. Like, they know that he's a good, very good goalie, but – to John's point, we have seen it to an extent, but not enough that we can say that's the foundation. Right, exactly. Right. Yeah. Like, you, you you, know, yeah, what you saw of him was great in the beginning, but, like, to go and burden that guy with what that's what you're expecting night in and night out, that's just yeah. not fair. But that's how Flyers fans work. They've seen this before. Like, they've seen Giroux put up 102 points. They've seen Ivan Provorov have the season that he had with Niskanen. Now that's become the expectation. Fair or unfair, that's what fans expect. And to me, it's not fair. Because Provorov's success hinged on Matt Niskanen. Like, not to take anything away from Provorov, but a pair means two. So there needs to be two good people on that pair. And... As with forwards, there's three forwards on a line. I, you know, Giroux playing that season, scoring 102 points, he wouldn't have been able to do it if they put him down on the third line. You know, so right. Yeah, I I get this. I I completely understand. I should say like the frustration with Carter Hart, but I also think that a lot of it's being blown out of proportion. It's okay. It's okay that a young player does this without going through a full season. And before I go any further, yes, John, I'm glad you raised your hand. My finger. It's a finger. Same same thing. 
I love the people that, you know, are like, so to fix Carter Hart and make him better, we need to bring in the good, a, a good backup option. It's like, no, actually, you know, when the backup is in, Carter Hart's not in. So that doesn't actually help him. Like, let's stop saying, okay, Carter Hart needs to, we got to make sure he's better. So let's bring in a better support system behind him. No, give him a better support system on the ice. Mm-hmm. If you want this guy to be a better goalie, why don't you put a defensively competent team in front of him? I just think it's such a lazy narrative to be like, is Carter Hart ready? Let's get another goal uh, backup goaltender, which I'm not trying to poo-poo, you know, the importance of a backup goalie. I mean, you need to have a strong one. I mean, look at the league now. You essentially have one A's and one B's throughout the league. But the issue is the team in front of him, not the guy backing him up. That's not what's going to help him. Right. I get it from a franchise standpoint, though. It's it's a safety net. They don't want to have a season where maybe the defense is playing much better and they have a legitimate shot at making a run. And then if one part of that puzzle falls out, they want to be able to right. insert another. But I'm not saying. But I'm not saying that it, that it's not important to have a good goalie. I'm just saying that that doesn't answer your Carter Hart problem. Yeah, you're right. That helps provide more security to your goalie situation, but that doesn't help Carter Hart. No, not at all. Right. Yeah. If anything, I mean, look at what it did for Mason and Neuverth. Like, bringing in Neuverth, another competent at the time at least, starting goalie, Mason was constantly looking over his shoulder. And so that kind of prohibited him from, I don't even want to say reaching his potential because he was what he was at that point. But, like, when he was on, he was a very good goalie, but pl- platooning and worrying about another guy that could take your spot away, that can mess with your psyche a bit. Yeah. Right. Ho- hoagie talk. You, yeah, this is your point, man. No, I mean, I mean, Derek just said it right there. You're taking words out of my mouth, both of you. And I, I love it because, you know, you, you put somebody behind them that's going to give them more <clears> – <throat> that's going to compete for that 1A spot. It's not going to help him whatsoever. That's not how you help – his development that's right. a word that we have to keep you know straining on the, on this on this kid it's, he's developing into a goaltender and an NHL caliber goaltender we know he's got the talent we just need him to you know put it all out there so i think you right. got to like this said you you begin with a solid foundation get him squared away and then start adding in that defense that's going to help him you know take away the shots from him and help him see shots because, you know, how many goals this year have we screened the hell out of him or had pucks go off our defense go past him? Too like, right, that doesn't Ken. help. Exactly. That's not going to help when you have defense that are hindering your performance. Yeah. So I have one final question to pose to the both of you, and I'll start with you, Hoagie, first. Do you feel better now? A little bit, actually. <laughs> yeah? Yeah. <laughs> feel better getting that off your chest? A little bit. How about you, John? I was, ex- I was excited for it. <laughs> I mean, until I go on Twitter and see some other idiot talking about what we just talked about, sure, I guess. But... Right, yeah. Like I, like I said, if I see another one, I'm just going to get even more pissed off and want to delete all social media. <laughs> right. But I guess that's just what Twitter is, right? It's, I mean, it's just a reactionary platform where people just get hopping mad. It's you a know? cesspool. Yeah. Not everybody's cesspool. as level-headed as us. <laughs> Never thought I'd see the day when we were the level-headed ones, to be honest. (laughs) 
But, <laughs> but no, we're not getting called out by others. That's for sure. That's true. We're doing something right, I guess. Um, but no, fun episode. I think you know. Every now and then we need one like this where we can talk about you know things that are you want to say bothering us or you know pet peeves, if you will. But uh, I think it's about time. We're right at the hour mark. Uh, Hoagie, could you please let the listeners know where they'll be able to find you? Yeah, absolutely. You can find me on Twitter at uh, Pod Street Hoags, P O D S T R E E T H O A G S. Always. I always got to read it. I always pull it up. I always forget. <laughs> I always forget. <laughs> so, yeah, find, find me on Twitter. What's that? You don't have to spell it. Listen, man. I tried spelling my last name at work the other day, and someone told me I had an accent. I was like, you're nuts. <laughs> oh, no. Oh. Uh, Odd Street Sandwich. Jesus oh, Christ. Here we go. All right, John, your turn. Right. <laughs> you want me to tell them where they, I can find, they can find me? You so, do your stick, they, man. I mean, well, I'm, I'm done telling people where they can find the podcast because they're listening to the podcast. If you aren't listening to the podcast, then you're not going to hear this bit. So just keep listening where you're listening unless you want to try new things and Google it. Um, you can also you can find me on Twitter at Pod Street Gove. I'm not very exciting on there, but uh, I'm I'm there. It's a real life uh, imitation or a social media imitation of John's actual uh, persona here. Just not that much fun. Yeah, as you can tell by the look I'm getting right now. I find that to be very inaccurate. Actually, <laughs> if, if I was as fun as I am on this show on social media, I'd have like 10 million followers. I question that. That's a hard question well, right there. That's all right. You can question. You know what you could do now instead of telling people where they will be able to find us and listen to us? You could recommend that those listening to us on Apple Podcasts go yeah, leave us a review. About it. Yeah. Tell us. about it. Right. Yeah. Say nice things about us. Or say bad you, things about us. I, I, I'd love don't. to rip that to shreds on this show. No, don't do that. No, if, if you have something bad to say, just keep it to yourself. Give us a five star review at least, so it looks good. But like, right? If you yeah. want a five star review, it but then rip us to shreds. Be my guest. It's the it's the stars that matter. Yeah, just be like, hey, you guys suck. I hate you. I never will listen to your show again. But here's five stars. That's all we want, honestly. I would love to see that. Right? <laughs> That'd be fantastic. Five assholes. <laughs> Like, these three guys are the dumbest bastards I've ever listened to talk about hockey. Four. But here's five stars. Four. Don't forget Casey. Don't forget Four. Casey. Sorry, Matt Casey. I apologize. Matt, I if you're listening. One episode and you've already killed them off the show. We killed you off a long time ago. And then yet again, yeah, here you are. I'm surprised you're still here. Right. You're like the know. character that dies in the... You're like Jon Snow. Like, you died and then all of a sudden you're back. You're like, what the hell just happened? Growing up, my mom used to watch this soap opera called Days of Our Lives. Oh, my God. And there was this villain. His name was, ah, ah, man, I'm probably not right here, but I think it was like Stefano or something. Sonny. No, that was General Hospital. Oh, okay. My mom watched General Hospital. You guys know these names. (laughs) Just growing up, man, we're in our 30s. Like, this is what our parents did. No one just just died and came back to life all the time. I'm trying to live that that life right now. Isn't that like I'm an so episode popular. of Friends where Joey was in it and like they made him like a he had like the 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 rap he was like an Ace Bandit? 
Yeah, right? yeah. Nick comes back. Twin, yeah. yeah, good God. Yeah. Uh, before right, this, well, Derek, do you have anything to say? Yeah, before this gets any more out of hand, uh, <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at Pod Street Bob. You can find the Pod Street Bullies on Twitter at Pod SD Bullies. You'll be able to find all of our stuff there. Um, I guess until next week, let's go Flyers. Bye now. Yeah.